Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. Continue in our series on Next Level Living. But because it's Father's Day, Okay, and I hope that some of you get so frustrated with me for this, because I'm going to do it anyway, is I'm going to tell some dad jokes, because I'm a dad. That's the reason I'm wearing this Mickey shirt today, because my kids voted for me to wear it today. I, I just love it. So I'm going to tell some dad jokes. i got a long list of them. So the more you laugh, the less I'll tell. But if it's like silent, I'm going to just literally keep rolling. If I run out, I'll get on my phone and find more. I found a website that had like 170 of them. Okay, and they were horrible, and I'm going to keep going. Here's the first one. My wife said I should do lunges to stay in shape, and that would be a huge step forward. Okay, okay, that's good. Go ahead. What do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? Well, they're both parasites. Parasites? Come on, right? Calvin, right? Come on. How do you follow... <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> Excuse me. How do you follow Will Smith in the snow? Well, you follow the fresh prince. Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay, I'm going to keep going. You're, you're, you're giving me fuel. What do you call a factory that makes okay products? I call it a satisfactory. Thank you, Dad. What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? Supplies. <laughs> Pretty good, right? Thank you, Noah. Why do seagulls fly over the ocean? Because if they flew over the bay, we'd call them bagels. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Did you hear the rumor about butter? Well, I'm, I'm not going to spread it. Oh, yeah. What? I like this one. <laughs> I never heard of this one. What concert costs just 45 cents? 50 cent featuring Nickelback. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. What do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? Well, an irrelevant. <laughs> Joel's trying so hard, he's like, I'm not laughing at these. But you're a dad, baby. What do you get from a pampered cow? This is the last one, I promise. What do you get from a pampered cow? Well, you get spoiled milk, right? Aww. Can we give a hand to all the dads today? All the dads with their dad jokes. No more, I promise, I promise. I, and I seriously, I don't want to be long today at all, um, if you do have plans with your parents or with family and things like that. I know we got some fun plans today. Thankfully, the sun's out. It was supposed to rain all day, and I, I feel like uh, the Lord gave us some nice sunshine. So um, we're going to be continuing on our series on Next Level with some applications to dads today, but really for everybody. Um, so we're going to continue right along with that. Uh, but for those who are visiting with us and here for the first time, we hope you come back. Uh, but I want to give you a kind of a, a background of, of this series that we're doing. Our theme for our church, for Coastline Baptist Church, for the year um, is Next Level Living. Next Level. Uh, as a church, we're pretty new. We're pretty young as a church. We've only been in this building with permits for about a year, so we're still a young church. But as we've seen God do great things and do miracles for us, uh, in our church, in our individual lives, uh, we're always trying to move forward and grow in our relationship with God. We don't want to get stagnant. We don't want to get comfortable and get in that comfort zone. So our theme and what we've been talking about in every message, uh, without you know, the exception of a few holidays we'll have, um, is next level living. As a Christian, what is next level living? Next level living is doing whatever it takes to move forward and grow. 
Uh, if you want to have a better marriage, it's not just about reading some books about how to be a better spouse. If you want to raise good kids, it's not just about um, you know, following this checklist and doing, you know, reading a book on this by this author. It's not about all that. It's about resting in Jesus Christ and his grace for you. If you can strengthen and move forward and take your relationship with God, your Father, resting on the grace and righteousness of Jesus Christ in your life, if you can focus on that and hone in on that, I promise you the rest of your relationships in life will begin to grow, will be taken to the next level. If I'm, if I'm leaning on Jesus in everything, I think I'll be a better husband. If I'm resting uh, on the word of God and what it says and what it commands me to do and following the scriptures and leaning on Jesus with my life, I'm going to be a better dad naturally. It's not about just trying really hard to be a better dad. Man, I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better employee at my full-time job. I, I want to be a better pastor for this church. But it's not going to come from me just trying really hard and looking at other people and doing what they do. No, it's about resting in Jesus Christ. That's next level living, doing whatever it takes to move forward and grow. Now, I want to tell you about my glasses, okay? Some of you don't know this about my glasses. I technically don't really need glasses. Okay, you're like, well, you liar, you've been lying to us. No, here's, here's what I'm saying. I was a youth pastor in Michigan for almost seven years. And at the end of my tenure there, um, I was like getting ready to, to we were going to travel the country on what they call deputation, which was just we were going to be going to different churches every Sunday after we moved from Michigan and raising support to start Coastline Baptist Church. So we were all over the country. But I'll tell you this much, and maybe it's still the same. I haven't heard it as much. But my whole time in Jackson, Michigan, as a youth pastor, I was constantly being mistaken for one of the teenagers in my youth group. And I'll tell you, it got kind of annoying. It got kind of frustrating sometimes. I remember I was at camp one time in North Carolina with all the teens, and, and they were trying to get all the teens, there was like a thousand, trying to get them into chapel for the evening service, and I'm standing there with my wife, Marissa, you know, we're brand new, it's like our first year there, we're like 22, 23 years old, and uh, one of the counselors for the camp was like, come on, kids, let's go, go. And then she looked at, they looked at me and my wife and said, hey, teens, we need to get into service right now, right now. To me, the youth pastor. And I'm like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. So I just went to, went to chapel. Uh, that happened so often. And it happened even after I had three, four kids. And I'm like, man, I'm getting tired. So when I got ready to go into deputation, I'm like, I kind of want a new look. I kind of want to look a little bit older. Anything that's going to make, I couldn't grow a beard. Both my wife hates him anyway. I'm like, I can't do that. So I'm like, maybe I need glasses. So I scheduled an appointment with the eye doctor. And said, God, please, help my eyesight to be terrible. <laughs> I didn't say that. But I'm thinking, I just want, Lord, I, I can't just go to, like, you know, the mall and just buy a pair of, like, fake glass glasses off the rack. That, I feel like, I'm not there. But if I need any kind of prescription at all, I'll take it. I promise, Lord. I'll use it for good. You know, I'm just like, help me. So I go to the eye doctor. And he, he, they do the, the, the tests and all that jazz. We look at the things. And, I'm, and I always have had amazing eyesight. So I was kind of not really thinking it was going to go very well. So the, the eye doctor, the optometrist, came back in and said, hey. He said, most people have 20-20 vision. I said, okay. He goes, well, you actually have better vision than 20-20 vision. I'm like, that's a thing? I never heard of that. He's like, yeah, you have like 25-20. I'm like, I have, that's, that's, you're lying to me. I'm like, that's not true. He said, no, no, it, you really have very good eyesight. He said, but. Because your eyesight is at that level, it does work harder to focus oftentimes. So I can prescribe you a prescription that will actually take some pressure off of your eyes. 
And I'm like, well, there it is. That's my answer right there. So if you have bad eyesight and you put these on, you'd be like, these are nothing. These aren't doing anything for me. And they won't. They barely do anything for me. Now I feel weird without them. But I'll say this. Now that you know the story of the deception of my glasses, um, I never clean them. And my wife gets so frustrated with me. She's like, Donald, how do you even see where you're going? I just, I don't know. I, I'm pretty rough on them. These are really cheap. That's one nice thing about not really needing a very big prescription is you can buy these for like $9 on iBuyDirect.com. It's pretty cheap. It's just the frames. And then, you know, really small prescription. But I get them and I kind of use and abuse them. And there's, you know, there's, some all, there's a bunch all over the house. They're not that expensive. But I don't clean them often. And I get used to it. Sometimes if it's really bad, like it's a really bad smudge, I'll take it off and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll wipe it or I'll, I'll do the little breathing thing and try to clean them off. And actually, that one needs it too right now, now that I think about it. And I'll clean them and they'll be, they'll be fine. They'll be, you know, kind of smudged. I won't know. But Marissa will say, get those. And she'll take them off and she'll get the Windex out and she'll spray it and clean them up. And then I'll put them on. And then I'm like, wow. I feel like I'm actually like looking at nothing. And I think that's how it's probably supposed to be. Now, other people with glasses, some of you have glasses today, if you took your glasses off, you really would have a hard time seeing. Your, your vision is, is actually, you know, needs glasses and needs that prescription. And without them, you feel like you're blind. For me, just a little Windex helps clear it up, and I'm walking around singing, you know, I can see clearly now because it's, everything's clear. It's great. Today's message is on next-level perspective. When I clean those glasses up, even though my eyesight's still pretty good, it's even more clear. There's not something kind of bothering me up in the corner there. And sometimes I just get so used to it, and my perspective's kind of flawed. We're talking about next-level perspective. Isaiah 55, verse 8, God is saying this to his people. He says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is saying, hey, you don't always understand what's going on. You don't, God is saying to me sometimes, so often, he says, Donald, you really don't have a clear perspective of what I'm trying to do in your life, in your family, in your church. And that's okay. But the reason is because, Donald, my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts, you may have think, thoughts of what you want life to be like and what you want your church to look like and what you, how you want your family to turn out every day. But I, I have bigger and better plans for you. And I don't see it. My perspective is often flawed. And today's question for us that we need to ask ourselves that I'm going to ask you this morning is how do you look at your life? We're talking about perspective. How do you look at your life? How do you look at your past? I, I had a really great upbringing. I had good parents that stayed together and they raised us in church. And they weren't perfect and they would never claim to be. But man, I had a really great upbringing. We were taken care of. We had a very close family. Again, not perfect, but I had a great upbringing. Some of you didn't. Some of you didn't. How do you look at your past? How do you look at the stresses of your life now. I wish that we didn't have stresses in life, but we all do, no matter who you are, where you work, we all have stresses. How do you look at them? How do you look at your problems? Those things kind of out of your control? Your trials, your circumstances, how do you view them? Most of us, including myself, often see our struggles, see our trials, our circumstances as things meant to hurt and destroy us. Like, why is this happening to me? 
We often, sometimes really without even realizing, we often blame God for making our lives harder. God, aren't you supposed to make my life easier? I've given my heart to you. I've trusted you. Why is life so hard? And our perspective is often flawed. Our glasses are often dirty. And we're not really seeing things as we ought to see them. We often allow our earthly passions, whatever they may be, for fame or fortune or popularity or whatever, fill in the blank, relationships, money. We often allow our earthly passions, whatever it is for you, to cloud our perspective. So, so what God is trying to show us through our circumstances, through our trials, we miss. We miss it. I, I want to give you a, a personal example, very you know, um, easy one. This was just a few days ago. I cut down a... Uh, my brother-in-law and I um, took down this giant, it was a holly bush at one point, and then it turned into like a holly tree. It was taller than the house, had like seven or eight t- big trunks. It was this holly bush that had just gotten way overgrown. Our landlord said, hey, you can take it down. So we took it down, um, and I had to go to the dump. I would bring it to the Yarmouth dump. So I, you know, got it all cut up into pieces and, and threw it in the back of the truck, and there's a free brush pile at the Yarmouth um, dump. And I'm like, hey, I've dumped leaves there. I actually did not realize that you weren't allowed to put bigger stuff there. So I pull in with my truck, and I got these big trunks kind of right in the top of the pile. And, and I'm pulling in, and there's a bunch of people there, and there's one of the little work trucks there. And there was a very, very big guy in a very, very small truck that worked there. And he was driving kind of out of it as I was driving in, getting ready to back in. And as I drove by him, I see him staring at my truck. And in the rear view mirror, I see him whip around, boom, right when I'm going. I'm like, oh, come on, what do I do? I know I'm not speeding. You know, what's going on? So I get, I start backing up. And as I'm backing up, looking out the back, then I turn back. And he's like right there. He had pulled right up to me. I'm like, well, I think he needs to talk to me about something. So I, roll, I, don't, I, don't, I have actually a power window, so I was not cranking the window. I rolled the window down and said, hey, what's up? And he goes, hey, man, those, uh, those are a little thick on the back there. You need to bring those to the brush pile. I'm like, okay, where, I thought this was. Where's the brush pile? He's like, you've got to go on the scale. It's over on the scale. You know where the scale is? I'm like, Yes, I know where the scale is, and I know that if you go on the scale, you have to pay to use the scale. So I'm like, man, I didn't really want to pay anything. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I'm like, maybe I should just wait till he pulls off and then dump it out. No, no, I got to do this the right way. So he leaves, and I'm like, whatever. So I'm like, okay. So I drive, get on the scales, a big long line of trucks and stuff, and I'm like, I really just wanted to get in and out of there. You know, I, had, I wanted to get back and do one more and load the truck up, and now I have to wait for everybody to get on the scale, and then they have to weigh, and then they have to figure out how much it's going to be, all this stuff, and I'm just kind of irritated about it all. And so I finally get up there, and the lady says, oh, you can, you can, um, you know, it's right over there, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So I go, I dump it all back. Then I have to get back on the scale so they can subtract the weight of the truck and all that jazz and tell me what I have to pay. So I get back on the scale after I'm done. Again, this is taking a lot longer than I wanted it to. So I'm on the scale. And this really sweet Jamaican lady's working the, the little tiny little shack there, taking payments. And it was only 10 bucks. I'm like, okay, that could be worse. Not that bad. I had cash. So I gave the 10 bucks. And as I'm getting ready to leave, she was so sweet. I just said, thank you. I had gotten out to pay. And then I got back in the truck in the scale. I said, all right, thank you so much. God bless you, which I normally don't say. God bless you. I just, you know, unless someone sneezes, I usually don't say that. And I did. I'm like, hey, God bless you. And she looked at me and put her hands on her heart and said, thank you so much. And I was like, oh, you're welcome, you know, cool. And I'm like, I'm going to give this lady one of our trips. We have a, some stacks of tracks over here that just have the church address, the gospel on the back, and on the front usually just says, you're invited. Or, and I had one in my truck. I didn't have many left, but I had this kind of crumpled up one that just says, you matter to Jesus. I said, I'm going to give this to her. So I got back out, and I said, hey, this is, um, 
this, this is a little wrinkled, but it's an invitation to our church. I just want you to have it. You know, because she was so sweet. And obviously, me just saying, God bless you, really, you know, encouraged her. So she looked at it, looked at me, and just ran off to the side. And I'm like, okay. And I had just, I jumped back in the truck real quick. And then she bursts out the door, comes outside of the shack, and has another one of our coastline tracks, a blue one. She goes, is this the same church? I said, yeah. I said, did I give that to you? I'm like, I don't remember. She goes, no, no, someone else. And I, I know my father-in-law and Dan have been going a lot. And I said, did, uh, and I don't know who she was talking about because I said, I said, he's a Spanish guy with a mustache. And you guys kind of both fit that bill. So I'm not sure who she knows. Uh, I know she knows dad, but I know you both were there. And she, I said, she goes, yeah, I said, that's my father-in-law. Yeah, that's so cool. She goes, that is amazing. That's all, man, that's the Lord. I said, that's awesome. I said, yeah. She goes, man, that's great. And she said, and just that simple, you know, giving her a track and then her having, the, you given to her that, they had given to her that morning. So it was like a few hours later, I gave her one from the same place. And thousands of people go to the dump every day. And, and it was just for her like a sign of, hey, God's trying to speak my heart. She said, I'm coming. I promise you, I'll be there. I said, that's awesome. I said, what's your name? I'm Donald. She goes, my name's Yvette. I said, that's my wife's middle name, which to me was just kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. She thought that was the coolest thing ever. She goes, oh my goodness, that's the Lord. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's the Lord. That's great. But think about it. My perspective was, man, I don't want to go on the scale. That's frustrating. Now I, this guy, in the, this big guy in the little truck made me turn around. I got to go on the scale. I got to pay money now. That's frustrating. I don't want things to be that way. I wanted to get home quicker. But God had another plan. God had, say, well, that's really small. I know that's really small, but it's really not. It's a big deal. God wanted me to talk to that lady. I wasn't going to. I didn't know there was a brush pile over there, but God knew it. So even in that moment, I said, okay, God, now I know why that guy in the truck, I know why you set this up. Because God is sovereign, right? We believe in that God is sovereign, that things are in his control. Yes, that's why, God, because you wanted me to speak into the life of this lady after my father-in-law has been speaking into her life for the last five, six, seven years that he's known her. She said, I've known your father-in-law for years. I talk to him all the time. He's prayed for my mother. That's just God. Now, that is just a sweet illustration. Let me give you a more serious one. Back in early 2020, before everything got locked down, we were looking at a building. We were still meeting at the house. And I said, we need to get into a, some kind of lease space for our church. And I said, let's, let's look. And we started looking around, and we found a beautiful storefront on Long Pond Drive. Many of you might know this story already, but I'm going to tell you again, because it's talking about perspective here. And I went, and I said, this place would be perfect. It's nice. It's not too big. The price is right for us. It's got a little, right when you walk in this door, this storefront, there's a room to the side with a little glass closed window. It'd be perfect for a nursery. To the right is a, is a big classroom. And then when you walk up the little hallway there, there's a bathroom around the corner. But right straight ahead is this big open, it was an old dance studio, with this big open room. I'm like, this is perfect for a small church plant, which is what we are, what we were. I said, this is going to be great. So I talked to the realtor. I talked to the landlord. I got... Uh, an architect, a Christian architect that was working with us, and he came and he drew up plans. And we started taking this whole process, and I'm like, look what God is doing. And I did a whole video on our church Facebook page for all of our supporting churches and said, God's given us this building. It's perfect in a great location. It's got this. It's got that. Oh, my goodness, look what God is doing. And as we started working through the process, we finally had a contractor come in to, to, to check some things and see if we needed a second bathroom for permits and all that jazz. And... It, 
it started to kind of fall apart. Dan was with me. We were there talking to the contractor, and he said, yeah, you're going to need to do this, and you're going to have to take this bathroom back from the convenience store next door because they're all kind of connected by a, like a back hallway. He's like, and, and then you're going to have to kind of eat into his store a little bit. And the landlord said it's okay, and I'm looking at the convenience store owner, and he's kind of like, I don't really like this, man. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. And it just started to, and he's like, yeah, it's probably going to be about $25,000, $30,000 once we do this. And I'm like, ooh, that's really not what we had in mind. It was early March. And I started thinking more about it. And the more we started looking into it, it just, it, doors started to close. I had already paid the architect a couple thousand dollars. Our, blueprints are not cheap at all. And I was like, man. And then right after that, lockdown. No one can go this way. This, everything was locked down. And we, we were just kind of stuck anyway. And I was very disappointed. I said, man, I thought that was the one. That was perfect, Lord. You know, Lord, that was perfect. That was a good price. That would have been perfect for us, Lord. But you see, my perspective was flawed because if I believe in the sovereignty of God, my heart should have been, well, Lord, you know, you have something better for us. But in that moment, I was like, no, this is the best. It wasn't just four, five, six months later that we saw this place. And it took a long time to get in here. About a year, a six, a nine months or so just to get word from the landlord. And then we signed a lease. We had to work a lot on it. It was a lot of hard work, but it's a beautiful space to God be the glory. But even beyond the fact that God did have something better for us, God did have a great space for us that though he's already used, not just for our church, but for uh, uh, Bright Steps organization that works with special needs kids and they use this space for events and we get to be a blessing to our community. Not just for those things, but I was driving by that same storefront just about a year ago, uh, or uh, nine months ago or so, and I was in the Stop and Shop parking lot across the street and Charlie said, look at that big hole in the roof. I'm like, there's no hole in the roof. I drive across the street and right above our space that we would have had, there was a gigantic hole. There had been a fire at the convenience store, burned the roof through, it came crashing down into, yes, the convenience store, but also into that middle space, which would have been ours. And I said, wow, Lord, you do know what's going on. You do have our best interests in mind. Church, we have to have next-level perspective. We have to look at our lives through the lens of the sovereignty of God, that he knows what's going on. Can I say that again? We must look at our lives, our circumstances, our past, everything, all those things that we really have no control over. We must look at our lives through the lens of the sovereignty of God, a God who is in control, a God who knows what's going on, a God who has your best interests in mind. He knows what's best for you more than you do. Amen. We must have next level perspective. Dad's today, I mean, it's Father's Day, guys. I'm telling you, we, we have to have next level perspective as dads. Our kids, I understand, man, especially as you're raising young kids. I'm still raising young kids, and now I'm raising preteens, and there's, there's a lot. I have a special needs son. Man, there's a lot that goes into it, and if I don't have next level perspective, if I don't have that perspective looking through the lens of the sovereignty of God as I'm raising my kids trying to be a good dad, man, I get really bent out of shape. I get really impatient. I get really fearful of the future for my kids. We've got to have next level perspective. How do you view the situations of your life? Your spouse does things differently than you. How annoying, right? I cannot believe that my wife doesn't think exactly how I do. What is she thinking? How about we change our perspective? How about I, instead of saying, well, how come you don't think the way I think? It's thank you, God, for the gift that you've given me in my wife that challenges my thinking 
There's beauty in differences. God, thank God I'm not married to someone just like me. I would be miserable. We've got to change our perspective. Your job is frustrating. Oh, your coworkers, your boss, your job is frustrating. What a pain. How about we change our perspective? God, what are you trying to teach me with this frustrating coworker? You trying to teach me compassion? Patience? You trying to challenge my prayer life? So I, instead of being so frustrated at this person at work that I'm praying for them, that they'd, they'd find peace in you? Oh, you know, I'm not getting paid enough, or uh, they, I didn't get that promotion I want. God, what are you trying to do? We have to change our perspective. Your children are being extra needy. How dare they? I've had a long day of work. I'm tired. I need some space. How about, Donald, how about you change your perspective? How about you say, God, thank you that I have the privilege and honor of raising a child that's created in your image. How about I change my perspective? Lord, you have trusted me to give me this child, these children, this special needs child. You, you've trusted me. We have to change our perspective. Because the truth of the matter is, church, your, your perspective of your circumstances will reveal the state of your heart. I'm going to say that again. Your perspective of your circumstances will reveal the state of your heart. If I had a glass up here that was half full of water or half empty, you know that analogy people use, you, we all look at it either half full or half empty. Now here's what some of us would think if we had a glass of water up here that was just completely right down the middle. We would go beyond, some of you would go way beyond half full or half empty, but you'd be like, well, is it warm? Because I don't drink warm water. You know, is, is it from the tap? Because I only really like bottled. I'm a Dasani guy. Uh, you know, is there fluoride in this? Because where I'm from, there was fluoride in the water, and sometimes some of the cities don't have it. I don't want, some of us would just think, you know, did anyone else drink from this? Is there any floaties in it? And we, we just, it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't, even if it was full, we'd find something wrong with it. We love our families, but often we wish that they would act, they acted different and thought more like us. That's having the wrong perspective. We appreciate our job, but we wish we got paid more and wish that this person didn't work there and on and on we could go. We drive our cars and, and we're thankful, I guess, grateful for them, but we always wish we had something nicer. We drive by and we covet somebody else's vehicle. We're always stretching for more, always longing for more, always hoping for change instead of having eyes of grace and a heart of contentment. We just talked about next level contentment a few uh, weeks ago. You will live a life of gospel, God-given peace if you choose to trust Jesus in everything, which is a change of perspective. The scripture says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In verse 6 says, In all your ways, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You will live a life of gospel peace, of God-given peace, if you choose to trust Christ, to trust your Father, your perfect heavenly Father in everything. You need grace from Jesus to start changing your perspective. Well, God, I don't know why this is happening, 
in my life right now, but you must have something in store for me. You must have bigger plans for me. I don't understand. We don't have to understand. Oftentimes, we just won't. But we're changing our perspective. We're, we're, we're taking on next-level perspective. And Dads today, we must change our perspective when it comes to loving and leading our families. And if you're listening online, we must change our perspective when it comes to loving and leading our families. Some of you aren't dads yet, but one day you will be. And I want to finish, because it's Father's Day, I want to finish by reading something. This was written in 1927 and by a guy named W. Livingston Larned. And almost 100 years later, it still rings painfully true, and it really is all about perspective. So dads today especially, I want you to listen. And future dads, I want you to listen as well. This is what it says. It's called Father... It's called Father Forgets. It's a dad speaking to his young son. Listen, son. I'm saying this as you lie asleep. One little paw crumpled under your cheek and the blonde curls stickly wet on your damp forehead. I have stolen into your room alone. Just a few minutes ago as I sat reading my paper in the library, a stifling wave of remorse swept over me. Guiltily, I came to your bedside. These are the things I was thinking, son. I had been cross to you. I scolded you as you were dressing for school because you gave your face merely a dab with a towel. I took you to task for not cleaning your shoes. I called out angrily when you threw some of your things in the floor. At breakfast, I found fault too. You spilled things. You gulp down your food. You put your elbows on the table. You spread butter too thick on your bread. And as you started off to play and I made for my train, you turned and waved a hand and called, Goodbye, Daddy. And I frowned and said in reply, Hold your shoulders back. Then it began all over again in the late afternoon. As I came up the road, I spied you down on your knees playing marbles. There were holes in your stockings. I humiliated you before your friends by marching you ahead of me to the house. Stockings were expensive. And if you had to buy them, you would be more careful. Imagine that, son, from a father. Do you remember later when I was reading in the library how you came in timidly with a sort of hurt look in your eyes? When I glanced up over my paper, impatient at the interruption, You hesitated at the door. What is it you want, I snapped. You said nothing, but ran across in one tempestuous plunge and threw your arms around my neck and kissed me in your small arms, tightened with an affection that God had set blooming in your heart and which even in neglect could not wither. And then you were gone, pattering up the stairs. Well, son, it was shortly afterwards that my paper slipped from my hands and a terrible, sickening fear came over me. What has habit been doing to me? The habit of finding fault, of reprimanding. This was my reward to you for being a boy. It was not that I did not love you. It was that I expected too much of youth. I was measuring you by the yardstick of my own years, and there was so much that was good and fine and true in your character. The little heart of you was as big as the dawn itself over the wide hills. This was shown by your spontaneous impulse to rush in and kiss me goodnight. Nothing else matters tonight, son. 
I have come to your bedside in the darkness and I have knelt there ashamed. It is feeble atonement. I know you would not understand these things if I told you to them during your waking hours, but tomorrow I will be a real daddy. I will play with you and suffer when you suffer and laugh when you laugh. I will bite my tongue when impatient words come. I will keep saying as if it were a ritual, he is nothing but a boy, a little boy. I'm afraid I visualized you as a man. It is I see you now, son, crumpled and weary in your cot. I see that you are still a baby. Yesterday, you were in your mother's arms, your head on her shoulder. I have asked too much, too much. Dads, can we change our perspective? Friend, today, can I remind you that you have a heavenly father that is always patient, that is always kind, that is always loving, that is always there. And, and like I said earlier, some of you, some of you can't stand Father's Day for good reason, too. Can I remind you that although your dad maybe wasn't the dad he could have been, God was always there. And he sees you. He's proud of you. He made you. Scriptures say you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And on this Father's Day, let's remember, yes, celebrate the Father that he's given us, but let's remember our Heavenly Father whose ways are higher than our ways. And let's practice in our lives next level perspective. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Father God, we love you. We thank you for being so good to us. Give us next level perspective, Lord. Help us to look at life the way that you're calling us to look at life. You have plans. You've got great things in store for each and every one of us, no matter where we come from, no matter what we're facing. You are in control and, and even, even though there's so many people in the world, God, you have a plan for every single one of us. Lord, you're calling us to greater things. Help us to rest in you, trust in you, depend upon you, and live with next-level perspective. Help us look at our lives through the lens of your sovereignty. You are in control. You don't make mistakes. None of the people here today are a mistake, Lord. No one listening online is a mistake, Lord. You are faithful and good. Give us grace. Lord, the scriptures say you give more grace. When we feel like we're about to run out, would you fill us again? And those who are here today, Lord, that maybe have some questions and doubts and wonders and fears, God, would you just speak to them even now in this moment? Help them to know, Lord, that they have a place that they can call home right here at Coastline. You have got plans for each person and you've got plans for this church. We love you. We thank you all the us bless this Father's Day. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your home. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.